0: to mom podcast we're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood of course we don't have all the answers but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does we're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today pull up a chair we're really glad you're here
1: Mother's Day is right around the corner and so we thought it would be fun to share some of our favorite tips, recommendations and ideas for all moms. It doesn't matter which season you may be in right now. This special Mother's Day episode was made with you in mind. From hospitality to busy days, Kate, Jamie and I, we are going to roll out the red carpet of mom favorites for all of our listeners. So be sure to listen in to end of our conversation as we share some fun Mother's Day giveaways for our listeners. You know, I know it's hard to find time in the day to get everything done, and sometimes we just plain don't. But today, I thought it would be fun to talk schedules and chores. So I often have moms ask me, September, is there a favorite system that you put into place when your kiddos were young? And what about when they're in the middle years and even in teenagers' lives or when they go to college that helped your load to be a little lighter? So I thought today in this special episode, it might be fun to talk about some of the tips and tricks and systems that have to do with schedules and chores and maybe even hiring out. So um, one of the things that we do in our home is we incorporate something called zones, which we've broken our home into different sections and everyone rotates, figuring out, learning uh, and accomplishing how to get that zone of the house done. But one of my most favorite things about schedules and chores that I've learned over all these years of being a mom is just the basic morning schedule. There's like a checklist of things that I give my kids that they are to learn and accomplish every single morning that I really am thinking ahead to them being an adult that maybe they should do as they grow and as they learn. Um, they become very independent on this and it's not even a chore anymore. It's just something that they begin. So it would look like getting up, making your bed, getting dressed, brushing your teeth, doing your personal devotions, cleaning your area. That's not even a chore in my house. So that's one of my favorite things is that as the day's going through, I don't even sit back and think, did they get those things done? So my, my tip to you as a mom in scheduling and chores is to kind of make routine a habit so that some of those things aren't actually a job. It's just part of you know, their everyday breathing and living. How about you, Kate?
2: Well, you know, I only had one child, and she is one of those children that like to be neat. So it was not hard. I, I'm trying to remember back, and I remember this is a while. Was, she's thirty, about to be 34, so um, it's a while ago. But I think having one child made life a lot easier And we didn't have a system because we each kind of knew what we were supposed to do. Like you said, she knew she'd get up, brush her teeth, make her bed. She's one of those kids that would make her bed without being told, keep her room neat because she just, she's like my husband. I am not that way. I'm a messy, but my husband and my daughter are both neat freaks. So they wanted, you know, they just wanted to have that around them. They don't do well in chaos, so, of course, God gave her four kids. <laughs> he gave me one. But, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't really have a system. It just, you know, it wasn't a big issue for us.
0: And, and like you, September, we actually do have kind of a morning routine or a system. I made a chart years ago that sort of lists out all the things that I wanted my kids to be able to do when we started the homeschool day. I think I probably started this chart when we started homeschooling 12 years ago. But I just listed them all out and I actually drew out little pictures because at the time when we started, they couldn't all read. So I had little pictures up there um, and they just kind of went down the line. Some mornings I'd, I'd wake up and I'd, you know, we'd all wake up and I'd catch them at the refrigerator pointing at the chart, sort of going down with their mental checklist. One of the things that was helpful with that list is that I put in some natural motivators. So I didn't always feel like a nag. So I I ordained the list and, and made it so that the chronology would kind of put breakfast towards the end of the list, meaning, you know, scripture says, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So there was a couple things that my little ones had to do in the morning before I even served breakfast. And that in and of itself was a natural motivator. They knew, okay, I have to, to get up and make my bed and kind of tidy my room and, and read my Bible or my picture book Bible before breakfast, and I was in the kitchen making it as they were doing those things. So it was sort of a built-in motivator. They also have a list of afternoon chores that they do after school, and they they each only have like one or two things to do just to sort of regroup the day and kind of tidy up um, from school before we move on to the rest of the day. But even that, having it after school and, and the fact that they know, okay, I can't start the rest of my day. I can't go outside to play. I can't um, do these other things until I, I finish my chore. That in itself is a motivator because they want to get outside to play. So they do their chores quickly. Um, and then I kind of inspect to make sure they were done correctly. Otherwise they they know they have to, to repeat them. So they do them quickly and thoroughly to be able to get out the door. I think for us, the most important thing when you think about teaching your kids chores or getting them involved in things around the house, I really encourage mastery and mentorship. Meaning um, I think a lot of families are prone to divvying up chores differently each day or maybe every couple of months switching, but I really want my kids to learn all the parts and pieces of a particular job before moving on to something else i want them to know it so well that they're actually able to teach a younger sibling how to do it and so we keep with our chores for a whole year at least and and actually we're going on year two with a couple of the chores because they just haven't been mastered yet and so it kind of starts with my oldest and i i would teach her a chore let's say i taught her how to sweep the all the hardwood floors and she would learn to sweep and she'd have that job for a whole year. We switch our jobs in the summer because it just seems like summer is a natural time for us because we're homeschoolers to kind of learn new habits and, and work on some of those character, character things. So in the summer then, she passes that job down and in a, like a stair step emotion to her younger sibling. And she's responsible to help train and mentor that younger sibling coming up with that job. And if she's learned it well enough, she's ready to teach it to somebody else. So she always has the harder jobs and she passes them down. She sort of monitors and oversees the progress. And then I come along beside her and, and monitor that progress too. But I think it's important that, that there's some Mastery and mentorship involved in chore training.
1: Right. Jamie, that's good because, you know, we did, we do that in our home too. And I think, Uh, anyone listening today, you know, everyone's going to have different ideas and everyone's going to have different ways of doing chores and scheduling. Um, but this is the episode where we encourage you to get your pen and paper out because we're sharing our favorites. We're not telling you there's one way. Uh, we're just sharing our favorites, the things that have worked in our home, what we've seen has have been successful, but if you want to take anything away from that, it would be motivation, mentorship, and mastery. And I think that's, um, that's key and th- that's our favorite way of seeing success in chores and scheduling in our homes. Um, so let's talk turkey. And I, don't, I mean, holidays, hospitality. I want to share some of our favorite hospitality tips, our hospitality ideas, practical meal decorating prep that can simplify the day-to-day and the special holidays. So what is the bottom line? What are our favorite hospitality tips?
2: Well, I'm a chronic list maker. If it's on my list, it'll get done. And if it's not on my list, it won't. So I have learned, I learned years ago, make a list of everything I'm going to need to do, particularly for holidays. When you know 10 people are coming over or 20 or whatever, I've got to have a list. I need a list for the presents I need to buy, the food I need to make, the cleaning to do, things like that. It really helps me to have everything listed out ahead of time. And if I'm doing something like planning a big holiday meal, like we just had Easter, I make a list of all the recipes I'm going to make and the prep involved. You know, Sometimes you got to remember, take the the ham or the turkey or the whatever out of the freezer to defrost it. Or, you know, it's the simple things that will hang you up. It's always the little thing that you just forgot. So I'll read through all my recipes and mark down what I don't have, what I've got to go to the store to buy and make my, my shopping list. Um, I'll break down all my recipes so I know the prep involved. If I know there's a lot of chopping, I'm going to work on that. And if you do have kids around, that's a great, well, if they're old enough to use a knife, get them to help you with some of those things. Um, and, I'll, and I'll get that done. then I also buy in bulk whenever I can and try to make a double batch of something so I have leftovers. You know, if you're making a turkey or a ham, like I just did for Easter, save those bones, make a big pot of soup with loads of veggies. It's a very economical way to feed your family. And it's, it's also great to do, if you make a double batch, you have plenty to freeze for those nights when you just don't want to cook or you just don't feel like it or the weather's not good and you can't get to the grocery store. So I would say my, my biggest thing that really helps me is really go through everything you have to do. And then you're not going to dread it if you've got it on your list. And I check it off I love to make lists because I love to check everything off and then I can see that it's done so that has helped me for many years
0: and I think along with that i'd I'd go one step for further Kate and say you know if we remember that holidays are rooted in tradition and chances are because of that you probably serve the same thing every year you know you know you're gonna have ham at Easter you know you're gonna have turkey at Thanksgiving and stuffing and we end up doing a lot of the same things on these holidays. We set up our home in similar ways, most of us anyway. Um, We serve the same meals, we have the same activities. So because so much of those activities are rooted in tradition and habit, I think it's important and, and helps to alleviate a lot of the stress for moms behind those holidays. If we set up really concrete systems and we put them in place, so for instance, I know that I'm going to serve, um, Christmas dinner. I always do. And I invite the whole family and we have the exact same, um, menu every single year. So I have a list in all my Christmas decor and in my Christmas boxes, I have a list of what the menu is, what are the different ingredients I need, um, kind of the timeline for that. And it's just sort of lather, rinse, repeat. And the other thing I would say is because these are all traditions and we know they happen in a certain way, we should never be surprised by them. I know that Christmas comes in December. So because of that, I like to have everything in place, all my presents bought and wrapped and the tree set up by December 1st because I want to be able to enjoy the month with my family. I don't want to be running around like a chicken with my head cut off all throughout the month of December and never really be able to um sit at the cradle of a king and just um really enjoy the season because I'm so busy. So I try to take care of all of the things that I know need to happen well in advance. That way I'm available for all of those um, spur of the moment, spontaneous things that can creep up during the holiday season also.
1: Those are perfect. Those are great tips. And, you know, I think the takeaway from that is buy in bulk, make lists, do it in batches and be prepared. So let's talk about our favorite tips for everyday hospitality. I like my kids to do things so that they learn how to decorate and to have their friends over without breaking the bank and becoming stressed. So my first favorite tip is don't overclean your house. I used to do that for years and years. I would clean and everything would sparkle and look really good. And then they would have their friends over or we'd have this big holiday gathering and then everyone would leave. And I always said to myself, I don't even know why I bothered cleaning. So don't overclean your house. Prepare ahead. And um, I like to set things up very simple but pretty. So I'll find things that my kids can actually make um, for the table centerpieces. And they're not something I have to go buy special. But my favorite thing to do on Sundays, my favorite tip for having people over is to maybe think outside the box and do a buffet. Or something that is in bulk that is simple, yet hospitable. A lot of times we think we have to serve elaborate recipes or um, kind of get caught up in, you know, serving a meal. Whereas a buffet serves everyone, keeps things simple, cuts down on the place settings and the decorations. People can sit where they want and it takes the pressure off of really everyone. So um, I always think, think simple and um, prepare ahead, but don't don't get stressed about it. So those are our favorite Those are some great favorite tips for hospitality. Most of us are asking ourselves, what is this world coming to? As we consider the answer to this question, I would dare reply, you're looking at them every day, your family, your circles, your kids. This is what the world is coming to. So rather than crossing our fingers that the next generation will be upright, full of wisdom and character, and hoping our example will lead well enough, let's teach them what good character is and isn't. I am so excited to share a resource that was born out of 27 years of mothering and searching desperately for a tool that was convenient, personal, and easy to use. Character Matters cards are two by three cards on a ring for portability, and filled with 72 character qualities. Divided into three different color coded sets for character at home, character in the world, and character in the Bible. Each card has a definition, a Bible verse, and four I can prompts to reinforce the character quality in our everyday lives. Everyday moments and teachable truths, character matter cards can be found on Etsy at September and Co shop or Instagram at September and Co. So visit us today to find your character card sets to use in the car, in the mornings, or at dinner, or wherever you go, because we are Raising Generations today. So we're just going to list kind of quickly some of our favorite things, and um, let's begin with devotions. and. Kids devotional books, kids devotional apps. Everyone's looking for a good recommendation. We're just going to share our favorites. My One of my favorite books is the Children's Storybook Bible by Catherine C. Voss with a V. That's on Amazon. She has um, two editions. I've used it for 24 years. Uh, we've gone through three or four copies. I also love Answers in Genesis and some of my favorite reading books for spending time you know, Quiet Time of the Kids are like Wisdom in the Millers. That's another great, um, book. People ask me all the time, what are your favorites? And I thought, this is so fun to be able to share these. There's some great apps for kids. Um, kids read truth. And, um, for myself, for my favorite app is, um, the first five or she reads truth. Those are some of my favorites.
0: Well, as far as devotionals go, I think, um, We've always appreciated the Discover for Yourself series by Kay Arthur. It's sort of an in, inductive study for kids. Some kids don't like to do that. It feels like work, and I never want the Bible to feel like an assignment. So you have to know going into it that there's um, some, some heavy study that has to take place to do a Kay Arthur study. I also um, have recently discovered the Bible study guides by Amy Bird. Um, these are series specifically designed for teenage girls. So if you have a teenage girl, um, I recommend those. There's also a really great series. I think there's like five or six in the series. If you're, if you're wanting to do, um, some study together as a family, it's by Sally Michael and it's the making him known series. So there, you know, one of the books is God's names and then God's promises. And it just goes through, um, a really deep study on each one of those things. We also really like Theology. It's a book um, that just introduces basic theology for kids. Sometimes my older kids can kind of think it's a little cheesy, but if you have the younger ones, it's a really great book for introducing some really big doctrinal theological ideas in bite-sized chunks that kids can handle. And then my family really likes the Bible Project app. It's an app that breaks the Bible down into daily reading chunks, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then after you're done with that certain section of reading, there's also like this illustrated, what looks like a graphic novel representation of the book of the Bible. And especially for kids who think in pictures, or even my husband, who's a, who's a professional artist, he sort of thinks in pictures. He loves the app because it really brings the whole scope of that particular Bible book. And it, it breaks it down in a way that he can understand it pretty easily because it's all done in beautiful illustrations.
1: Oh, I love good resources. One of my favorite things about this episode, if I could pick a favorite thing, is that I'm learning some great ideas and I don't know about you, Kate, but I have discovered now that I'm a grandma that because we all have favorite things in our lives, whether it's raising children, recipes, whatever it is, I am starting to tuck away extras of these favorites so like we love the resurrection eggs so i've purchased sets for my adult children and my grandchildren to gift them at christmas and i've put them in my ho chest things like that so if you are a grandparent listening in you know take down some of these ideas if you like and maybe um prepare ahead and get some of these things i know i'm doing that as well i want my children my grandchildren to be able to see the value of some things that have already been created and not always having to look for something new. So what are some activities that we can do with our grandchildren? Well, my husband on Easter, he sat down with our four grandchildren. He got right down on the floor and he did the resurrection eggs with my grandchildren and they were like a captive audience and it was fun and interactive. So I'm sure Kate has some things that she's already implementing, some special activities that she does with her children. So what are some favorites for you?
2: Well, you know, a friend just gave me those resurrection eggs, but I got them after Easter. So I will put, I will do that for Christmas, put that in there, you know, among their Christmas presents. And I think that'd be a great idea to sit, you know, and go over what they all mean. Um, Just some of the favorite things that, you know, we, we try to come up with things we do all the time so that when they come over, they know they, they look forward to doing those same things they always want to have stories read to them at night, which I love to do and to be prayed for and tucked in and all those little nighttime rituals. Um, just anything like that, that we can can do to kind of just keep some continuity. There's certain toys that they'll get. They want to keep at our house because they, they know on Sundays, we always see them Sundays after church. We all go to church together. Then they come here. We hit, We make lunch. We eat. We If it's nice out, we play outside. We have a we're in a community where lots of people have golf carts. So we love to take our little drive on the golf cart and just the things that the simple things. My little grandson, the three year old, loves bubbles, anything that has to do with bubbles. So they all got bubbles in their Easter basket. Mm-hmm. And we just had a blast doing little things. I think we think sometimes we have to make it big and expensive and do all these things. And that's great to do if you can. I mean, if you've got the money and take your grandkids to Disney World, go for it. But it can be just as simple as taking a bike ride together or sitting on the steps blowing bubbles or reading a book or doing the resurrection eggs. It doesn't I think we just have to get out of our brain that it has to be big or fancy or expensive. Hey, making cookies together making dinner, doing anything like that. but I, Especially my granddaughter, she loves to help. She wants to come in and what are you doing, Mimi? Let me help. Can I cut? And I'm like, well, you can't use the knife yet, but you know, you can do something else with the food preparation. So I don't know. I think all those things work for us and keep it simple.
1: Yeah, that's good. I love, I always love watching your Instagram account, Kate, where your grandchildren are in the kitchen baking with you. It's really fun. Um, So I kind of want to throw out some healthy snack ideas. What are our favorite healthy snack ideas for families? Um, Sometimes we get caught up in what everyone else is doing and we forget some of the really healthy things. Um, Families are always looking for healthy snack ideas. I put just a little bit of Insta story of snacks for my children and everyone's asking me, September, we want to know your favorite snacks. What's your favorite lunches? And I thought, you know, that's right. We all want to learn from one another. Um so one of our healthy favorite snacks is uh we have an air popcorn popper and my kids absolutely love to make homemade popcorn at night um but during the day you know they've come they've come into the kitchen and I just let them cook now but we have some favorite um hummus recipes and things like that that are really healthy but one of my favorite healthy snacks for my kids during the day is yogurt parfaits. So I just buy a nice tub of healthy yogurt, some fruit, and some really good, uh, gluten-free granola. And when I say it's snack time, that is their go-to snack and it's easy and it's healthy and that's one of our favorites.
0: Well, this is definitely an area where I'm taking notes ladies, because my go-to is like a bag of goldfish, but I'm trying to get better we do do lots of varieties of different popcorn and so i made it a point one one summer when i needed some good healthy snack ideas to pin a bunch of recipes on pinterest for different recipes of popcorn so it wasn't always just butter and salt one thing that has helped me and i had a mentor tell me this a couple years ago and and man it works is when i get home from the grocery store and i have all my veggies or my fruit i prep them and get them all cut into bite-sized pieces i won't say always Often. I often prep them and get them cut into bite-sized pieces and put them in a container. So therefore, there's really no excuse to reach for a healthy snack. They're already cut and ready. And, and then it also helps me at lunchtime. I can just pull out that tray of already cut up veggies. And, and my answer is always, I don't care which ones you have. You just have to pick two and eat them. So then there's really no excuse for us all to eat a little healthier. But yeah, this is not my area of expertise.
2: <laughs> I love it, Jamie. I love your honesty. It's not a lot of people's expertise, you know, and it's it's easy to hand over a bag of Cheetos and a and a soda to your kids. But really, I think we need to try to be intentional. When our children are young, that's when their bodies are developing. We've got to be careful. And today, I mean, you go into any grocery store there are whole aisles of good organic non-gmo snacks some taste better than others i mean there's a bit of trial and error cuz sometimes you you know you bring something home and everybody's just like yeah no that's that's not going to work but if we're just intentional and thoughtful i mean anything by annie's is a hit with my grandkids so you can switch your goldfish for the annie's little bunny rabbits it's probably pretty much the same but i think they're gluten-free gluten-free grain-free just makes sense today just because of the way our our wheat is grown in America. It's just got so much junk in it that it's not like it was 100 years ago or like it is when you go to Europe. So you want to just be careful with certain things. I tend to be one of those crunchy moms, crunchy grandmas. I tend to buy organic, non-GMO. I I need to just for my own health. I mean, I'm getting older and I've realized that when I eat correctly, I feel a lot better. And I know that's going to be the same thing with our kids and grandkids. So, and I want to teach them good habits. So I always have fresh fruit when they come over. I'll we'll have gluten-free crackers and snacks, homemade hummus. My grandson loves my guacamole. So I'll just, I can do that in two seconds with a couple avocados, some lemon juice and salt. And he's thrilled to have that, you know, so there's, there's just so many options. And I mean, I realized I only had one child, so it was a lot easier than September you with 10 or Jamie you with five, but like you said, just chopping up the veggies, having the stuff ready, having it so they don't have an excuse, the, the yogurt and the granola. I make my own homemade granola and it's super easy to do, very economical. You can make big batches. So anything like that. But I think the main thing is to just be intentional, be thoughtful, try not to take the easy route of just giving them, you know, French fries and a, and a Coke.
1: Yeah, so good. Yeah, you know, one of um, one of the things that I've learned in raising kids is that if we want our kids to eat healthy, we need to teach them how to eat healthy, and that's by serving them healthy food, but also teaching them how to make it. So when I want my kids to have a healthy snack, I direct them to the kitchen and tell them where the ingredients are, you know, a certain age up, of course. But now my kids are making their own protein balls, which are fun and healthy and delicious, you know, with oats and peanut butter and protein powder and things like that. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in what can we get on our subscribe and save on Amazon or what can we get at the store, we forget sometimes we have just those basic ingredients in our homes And speaking of recipes, I would highly recommend my favorite recipe blog is Kate Battistelli. Um, My husband always tells me if we're ever in Tennessee, we need to go to her home because her Instagram, her her Instagram cooking videos just make us drool. So if you're looking for if you're looking for any favorite snacks or um, tips like that, go to Kate's blog. I highly recommend it.
2: I'm just going to say I do try to keep the recipes healthy and easy. You know, I know that a lot of moms read my blog. I really started with my recipes for my daughter when she moved out and I wanted to keep things not they're not going to take you 3 hours to make. So, and and I even have a whole section in my recipes that are quick and easy.
1: Perfect. Well, you know, summer's coming, so I think some of our listeners might want to hear us share some of our favorite summer tips for our kids because survival and summer go hand in hand. I think sometimes kids look forward to summer for free time, but sometimes moms equate summer and survival. So here's a few of my favorite summer tips for kids. We're going to keep it short, but I like to pack the trunk. So I call it pack the trunk because I have everything I might need because we're, you know, at the park or out and about a lot and I don't want to be stressed about it. So at this time of the year, which is spring, I tell the kids it's time to pack the trunk. And that's what I call it, which means basic first aid. I have a little tote with first aid items. I have some, you know, bug spray, sunscreen, um, homeopathy, band-aids, you know, all of those things that will, might need to go in your first aid kit, whatever a first aid kit is for you. Pack the trunk also means... Having um, extra water, a blanket for sports events, something for the beach, the shovels, everything in there, an air pump for their tires. And it, and it fits real compactly. It's not like my trunk is overflowing and we can't fit anything else like groceries. But so we pack the trunk. That's my first summer tip. The other thing that I have absolutely, my favorite, favorite tip for summer is this. And actually it's all year long. Uh, we do this all year long, but it's more noticeable in the summer is this. I have bought all of my kids multiple water bottles because there's nothing more frustrating than being out in public and having your children be thirsty and having to buy a water. That is so infuriating to me with multiple children. Like I can't buy six waters every time we're out in public. So we have, everyone has their own water bottles and every single day, even when we're home and they go to their school desk or, you know, we're just out and about they pack their water. So it's their job to make sure their water bottle is filled. We get in the car and you know, like you check your kids, do you have on socks, do you have on shoes? That is, do you have your water bottle? That's the number one question. So when we leave in the summer to go on a bike ride or go to the library, go to the park, go visit a friend, um, they have to have their water bottles and it's their responsibility. And so it's become something that they do now. They don't even think about it. and I call it like a mandatory water bottle check. So I like to pack the trunk um, and have that mandatory water bottle required. I mean, all the way down to two and three, year o- three years old, my grandson, he comes to our house and he always has his water bottle. And he says, Nana, I just fill my water bottle up and he can do it himself. You know, his little stool. Um, so they can do it. And it's just one less thing for us to think about.
0: I'm so glad to know that I'm not the only one banging the water bottle drum. Not the only mama. <laughs> yeah, I I too pack my trunk. Ours looks a little bit different because where we are in the country, I have to have a bag, a big, big bag filled with one sweatshirt that fits um, everybody. So everybody has a kind of like a junkie sweatshirt that they wouldn't normally wear That is okay to get dirty. Everybody puts a sweatshirt in the bag because where we live, it often gets really cold at night and we might be in shorts and a t-shirt in the daytime, but if we're out long enough, it starts to get chilly and inevitably you have kids, mom, can I please borrow your sweatshirt? So I want everybody to have one in the car always. Um, And yeah, just to throw a bucket of summer toys in there in case we have a spontaneous notion to go to the the park or the beach, everything's packed. I also thought back to when I had little ones and how difficult it is getting everybody out the door. So I just wanted to give a couple of tips to the moms who have really little ones and you feel like you don't have enough arms to carry all the summer things, but you still want to have the summer fun. So one of the things I did when I had, um, I think, four kids under five, we lived close to a beach, but you know, as well as I do to get a lot of little ones to the beach with all their toys and their snacks and their water bottles. Plus you have diaper bags and maybe even one in a car seat that you're still, still carrying around. Um, It takes a lot out of a mom. So I used to always keep a winter sled in, in the back of my van. And I would put the baby that was in the little car seat carrier at the back of the winter sled. I'd put the bag of, you know, beach toys and the picnic bag and anything that I couldn't carry in my hands on the front of the sled. And I'd pull it all the way across the beach and it, it slid right across the sand and I may have looked like an idiot, but I didn't care because I was at the beach with my kids and we were having fun. The other thing I always did, um, my my husband used to play softball every summer and we'd go to his games and inevitably my kids would, you know, look like pig pen at the end of it, just covered in dirt. You know, they were playing on the sidelines, just getting covered. So they knew right away that as soon as we walked in the door, it would be time for a bath. But we had a tradition that on those special summer softball days that they could have a popsicle fruit popsicle in the tub and it was a win-win because they got a special treat and I felt like the the fun mom giving them that special treat but all of the mess of eating a popsicle on a summer day dripped off into the bathtub and I never had to clean it up otherwise so they were getting getting messy and getting clean at the same time.
2: I love that, Jamie. I love the popsicle trick and the, I just can see you on the sled, just pulling that, pulling all that stuff across the sand. But I'll bet you now they might've thought you're crazy, but I bet a lot of moms thought, now that's a smart idea. And if you went to that beach today, you might see some of those moms pulling the sled with all the stuff. Very smart. Um, I think the only really tip I can add to you girls is if you're a grandmother and you've got the kids in the grand, you know, you're going anywhere in the car in the summer, just have lots of snacks. Snacks rule, and they always ask me as soon as they see me, "Mimi, you got snacks?" So,
1: yes, yeah, that's that's a really good one. I was thinking that <laughs> I was thinking that when Jamie was talking, I was thinking that and uh, wipes. We always need wipes.
2: Yes, snacks <laughs> and wipes. Uh,
1: so let's talk about our favorite podcasts other than ours about on motherhood. So I just want to share you know, the love. And I have favorite podcasts for motherhood. I listen to other podcasts now and mine is one of mine, I should say, because there's a lot, but just want to mention one for the sake of time is Heather McFadden. uh, Don't mom alone. That's one of my, I love listening to that um, podcast and that's on motherhood.
0: Um, Well, I too am a podcast junkie. I would like to throw out this idea for any moms who enjoy podcasts and aren't sure how to keep track of them all. I use the podcast go app. I'm not sure if it's available on Apple or not. I have an Android, but I'm sure that there is some sort of equally fabulous app that you can get to, to download to your phone and it just sort of keeps you updated with latest episodes. And because I'm a busy mom, I can usually only listen to them while I'm exercising or doing the dishes. Well, I really enjoy the Risen Motherhood podcast. I'm a little outside of their demographic because I am I'm I have older kids. But if you have kids that are five years old and under or you are a new mom, I highly recommend it. it the two hosts sort of sift all the parts and pieces of motherhood through a lens of the gospel, which I always appreciate. The other... Um, podcast that I would say is my go-to. It's not necessarily geared specifically to motherhood, but it definitely adds to my mother culture because it keeps me informed about what's going on in the world. And that is the world and everything in it. It's a news podcast put out by a uh, God's World News Group. And so it sort of sifts the current cultural news through a biblical worldview.
1: Jamie, that's a great, I've never heard of that podcast, so I'm going to write that down. And for anyone that's worried about missing some of the links and the things that we're sharing, we're going to try and share some of these recommendations, our favorites over at mom So you can go there and click on the links and um, we'll share more of our, our favorites there. So don't let um, your time with this episode end there. Go ahead and hop over to our website and check out more of our favorite resources. Uh, So sometimes the most challenging thing to get through as a mom is the day right before us, not necessarily the special moments or the big picture ideas, but the very day we are facing even right now. So I thought maybe we should share one favorite thing that gets us through a day, whether it's now or tomorrow, what is that favorite thing, whether it's home or work, maybe as a grandparent or as a mom, what is our daily favorite?
2: I think for me, it, it, it has to be starting the day with the Lord. I've got to have that time to read my Bible, to pray, to my husband and I will walk every single day as long as it's not pouring rain. And it's a time for us to be together and pray and just kind of start the day. But I, I've got to start with the Lord. I mean, more than anything for me, that that kind of sets me on the right track. And the days that I don't do it are the days that I notice a huge difference.
0: Absolutely, Kate. I was going to say the same thing. And since you've already said it, I'll pick something else, but definitely starting the day with the Lord sets the tone for the rest of the day. Amen to that. Um, I am a book junkie. I absolutely love to read. If I don't get at least 10 or 15 minutes in the day to sort of slip away and, and read my book quietly by myself, I start to get a little snarky and and not very nice. So I have to carve out time um, in my day for that. And I've actually sneakily added it into our homeschool day. And I've made it sort of a line item on our schedule that we all sit for about 10 to 15 minutes every single day, sort of side by side, actually. And we're all reading different books, I actually set a timer and everything. And we read until the timer goes off. But that gives me an excuse guilt free to sit and do the thing that recharges me.
1: Right. That is my favorite. You took my thing, Jamie. That's my favorite thing from the time my kids have been two years old. We have what we call quiet time, rest time every day. Starts off as 30 minutes, goes to 45 and sometimes goes to an hour depending on their age and their ability to sit. So whether they're resting, laying their head down, reading a book, um, that is what we do. So my favorite time of the day is rest time because I think it not only gives me a chance to you know, reboot, it gives them a chance to be quiet in their soul. And I think that's a foreign thing in today's culture for children and even adults to recognize and know what a rest-filled soul and to be quiet means. It doesn't mean they're talking to their siblings. They're all separate in different places. It's just very quiet time in my house. And so that's my favorite thing too. And because we celebrate motherhood and we celebrate you, we have a little something special to give away for Mother's Day in this very episode. And you can check that out at the end of our podcast at momtomompodcast.com. We encourage you to go there and share and read all about the giveaways that we have for you. And we hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And we wanted to know your favorites. We are always, always looking for new ideas. So be sure to leave us a comment at momtomompodcast.com or on our Instagram account, which is momtomompodcast. And we want to thank you for listening in with us. It means a lot. And when you hit that subscribe button for the momtomompodcast and leave a review, it helps put our podcast before the eyes of others. So tell a friend and have a conversation with them today as you hit refresh and listen together and chat about your favorite things.